Well, I've been thinking a lot about today and uh, what should happen today, and I was reminded of growing up. And when I grew up, uh, we did things a little differently. Every community does things a little differently, and one of the ways that we did things a little differently, and it was, I'd always have to change it wherever I lived, but in North Dakota where I grew up, it's very, it's, it's farmers. And so there are certain things that are handled in a certain way, and one of the things that's handled in a certain way is, is the, the saying goodbye, the celebration, the funeral services for people, and they do them a certain way in North Dakota. In North Dakota, they're always in the morning between 10 and 11, and they're always followed by a meal. Because the farmers see, you know, they left the field to come, and they need to be fed before they go back to the field. And that was the thing that was unique. The other thing that was unique about what we did at home is there was always two services on that day. A lot of people didn't even know this, but I did. There was always a quiet family service where the pastor would stand in front of the family and just talk just to the family. And then after that quiet service, the family would, we'd all go out and we would go to the service for the public. The death of Lynn Menlorp is a big deal because she's family here. This is her church family. She was deeply loved here and known by many of us. In fact, most of us here probably have an appointment of something she was planning on doing with us because that was Lynn. She was always planning something for all of us. And as I've been reading the post, and I don't want to give too much away about what I'm going to say on Tuesday, but Lynn was always going to drag somebody somewhere. So this morning needs to be about family, and, and I don't know about you, but I've been getting a bit, pretty big ribbon about this idea of rest, because this year hasn't seemed very restful. There's been a lot that's gone on as we have tried to unwrap this idea of rest, hasn't there, in the body. A lot of things that we experienced. I, I remembered that one of the things that's meaningful, and, and i got to be honest and tell you that I have this special collection in my office. And as I was sitting up front here, I, I, I wish, Mary, I would have asked for this. But in my office, I have every one of my grandfather's Bible. And I remember that when Grandpa Stevens passed away, the pastor opened up the Bible, and he says, I'm holding, I'm holding Milt Stevens' Bible right now, and I want to open it up to what I'm thinking probably was his favorite passage. Because he wrote above this passage that this was the psalm of the nurseryman. This was his psalm. Because my grandfather, much like Scott Benty in this community, my grandfather ran a big tree in a farm his whole life. When he passed away, was a little overwhelming for Nancy because we just had a small family gathering of about 150 people. <laughs> but he was well known in the community and there were 700 people that showed up for his funeral. But when we were just a family together, the pastor opened up the Bible and he read this psalm 
and he read Grandpa's comments because Grandpa wrote over everything. And I've seen Lynn's Bible, and it's as messy as Dad Grandpa's. And the title that he'd written above this, that this was the nurseryman's psalm. And I think we could probably say this would be an Adirondack psalm. It's the first one. And I want to dedicate it to Lynn as I read it today. Listen to the words of Psalm 1 today. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I don't know how Lynn did it, but Lynn had like 17 devotionals she read every day, I think. There's a wall in Lynn's house that's plastered with about 150 of her favorite verses and little things and things that meant something to her. But here's where we need to understand what we're talking about. In verse 3 it says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water who yields fruit in its seasons and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God worked a miracle in Lynn's life. In the same way he worked a miracle in some of your life, All she wanted was some soap. All she wanted was some products for her home, and she got caught up with a group of people that liked a product called Amway. And one of the leaders of it in this area, through one of the meetings at Amway, led her to Jesus Christ. And she was never the same. Yes, she had a family. She was a part of the Malerbas. She was a part of the Kings. But she got this new family. And she loved her her earthly family, her physical family, but she loved us. And she loved us deeply. And this week, Lynn got to do something that we don't get to do yet. Because you remember when we were studying rest I said that God got to do something that we don't get to do yet. And it says this, that on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested from all his labors. We don't get to rest from all of our labors yet. As we think of the idea, as we think of the idea of physical rest, we learned the definition weeks ago that physical rest is trusting God enough that we can interrupt work with rest that we're willing to see the cycle of night and day as rest and awaking times, time to work and time to rest, that we see the week, much like creation week, is that there's six days to work and there's a way that we rest on that seventh day. 
that we even see that sometimes there's seasons of life. But the Word of God says some things that are kind of fascinating. And I, I want to take a look at them today. And so, um, if you'll just keep moving the slides for me, because I have lost the remote. It's probably in one of my pockets. You see, today is, is that family time. And we need to realize that Lynn is experiencing something today that we're not experiencing. Take a look at these verses from the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, it says this, And I heard a voice of heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, said the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds, for their deeds follow them. You see, Lynn... She gets the real rest today. You know, because at an earlier time in her life, she made the decision that she needed Jesus Christ to be her personal Savior, that she knew that she needed that soul rest because of the restlessness that life brings us and our sinfulness brings us. All of a sudden, she came to that place of soul rest. And the reality is, is if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that someday you get to experience eternal rest. That there will be a day that some of the things that we struggle with today won't exist anymore because we enter rest. Take a look at this next verse. It speaks of the same thing. In Hebrews chapter 10, I just found it. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. How many of you are looking forward to that? You know, we, we wanted the winter to be gone, and now all of a sudden we're looking at all the work of the summer, aren't we? You know? We wanted just a little bit of a break, but now, now all that sand that, that grass collected all winter so that we didn't die now is going to kill my grass, and so i got to get rid of it. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird cycle. Did they give it back to me again next year? Or what do they do with it? I mean, you know, it's like this endless cycle, right? Now all of a sudden, little things that I didn't think about, all of a sudden i got to think about. Why? Because I'm not at rest yet. There's work to do. There's things to be done. We don't get that, that physical rest like Lynn is experiencing today because she has entered into God's eternal rest. Here's some more on that. This is what it says about rest and the Savior of rest. It says in Psalm 116, verses 5 and 7, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt with you bountifully. You know, I, I don't like think that sometimes we like this verse because I, I, th- I like to think of myself as somewhat sophisticated. The word simple doesn't sound like a nice word to me sometimes. But then I listen to the Beatitudes and it says what? Blessed are the poor in spirit, or they will what? Inherit kingdom of God, right? What does it say? Blessed are the pure in heart. For what will they get to do? They'll get to see God. You know, think about this. I I was listening to some stuff as I was preparing this, and I was listening to R.C. Sproul, and he said, you know, it's really interesting. That promise there, Moses never experienced. 
all Moses ever saw was the tail of God, right? Because Moses was told, if you see me, you will die. But because Jesus Christ died on the cross, and if we accept him as our personal Savior, because of his righteousness, we are pure before God, and someday we won't have to see the shadow of God or the silhouette of God, but we shall see the face of God. And because of the purity that what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us will exist, we will be able to see Him face to face. When I was a little kid, I'd get in trouble sometimes. And when I was in trouble as a little kid, I could not look my parents in the face. I think the Holy Spirit lived right inside them. And so there was just no way that I could look them in the face. I mean, I, I, especially my stepfather, you know, he was like trained as a detective, so there was just no way to get away with anything. I was so afraid of him at one point in my life that he would open the cookie jar and look inside and say, I know how all the cookies are sitting. Don't eat any cookies. I wouldn't do it. One time, one time, he got this new Honda, and I just really wanted to drive it, and they were gone for the weekend, and so... I literally tried to figure out where, the, where everything was setting in the garage, you know, in terms of where the wheels would come back in. And I took it for a spin, and I got back, and he goes, so you took the car out, didn't you? I couldn't look him in the face. But my heavenly Father someday, because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I will get to look in the face of God. I will get to see him. And that's what Lynn's doing that. Because Hebrews tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. She's not in some waiting room. Have you been in a waiting room before, hoping to see something? Have you ever been to Disney World? The worst waiting room. They're the nicest waiting rooms in the world. And people pay lots of money to stand in line and not get to do very much. But there's no waiting line with God. And we will get to see him face to face. Here's another scripture in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. It says this In that day, the root of Jesse, which is Jesus, shall stand as a sign for the people. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place will be glorious. In fact, this is what it says in Matthew about his resting place. Jesus was telling his disciples this 14 chapter 14 is before he went to the cross, but it was on the night he was betrayed. And this is what he said. He had told his disciples that he would be leaving. And he says this, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. And then in verse two, he says this, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You've heard me say this before, but as I page through Lynn's Facebook and I've been looking at the pictures that have been pouring in to be used as a part of her service, Lynn loved being able to take a picture of another place that she'd never been before and take a picture of the beauty of nature. She just loved it. 
this place that God created that is tainted by sin still has the handprint of the Master on it. And she loved that. And he did that in seven days. Six days, actually. Jesus Christ died over 2,000 years ago. About 2,000 years ago. What do you think heaven's going to be like? And he told his disciples, hey, don't, don't be worried because I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. See, the eternal rest is so wonderful because God is setting it up. Have you ever gone to a hotel and you really wanted rest, but you're not sure where they bought that mattress? Or you're not sure what's going on in the hallway, but those people don't understand that you didn't come here to listen to them bang around the hallway. You came here to get a night's rest. But the rest of being in the presence of God. You know, we could go to the book of Revelation, even though I haven't put the verses up here. There are some things that we deal with today that we're not going to ever have to deal with again. No more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow. This is a much better rest. Right now, God is calling us to an emotional rest in the middle of drama. But a day is coming where there will be no more drama. Amen? That's eternal rest. This is what else he said in those verses. He said, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, one of the things that I'm reading about us as Christians is we're getting too nice. And that we're not willing to say the truth. But the truth today is this, that he can't prepare a mansion for you if you don't ask him to be your Savior. Lynn did. We have no doubt of that, do we? She's in his eternal rest, and she's, she's probably maybe negotiating for who she gets to be near. Because she probably promised too many people that she'd take them and they could be next to her in heaven. You know? Jesus, is it okay? I mean, I'd really like to be near so-and-so too. You know, I, I promised them... You know, you can hear her saying this, can't you? But today is a day of hope. Why? Because we're her family and we know that she's experiencing the eternal rest of God. Peter put it this way, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though, for a little while, if necessary... You, will, you have been grieved by various trials so the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire might be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter was willing to be honest just like Jesus was. What did Jesus say? 
Let your hearts not be troubled. Don't let them be dismayed. Another time Jesus said what? In this world you will have trouble. Peter's reminding us that there's going to be some... I, I like what another version says. Another version puts it this way. There light and momentary trials. In other words, what he's saying is this. There's a black fly season before you get to heaven. They're just light and momentary trials that you never told me about when I came here. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. I think Peter was blown away by this. Because see, Peter's, Peter saw Jesus, right? Peter personally knew Jesus. Peter had meetings with Jesus that we wish we knew about, Right? And all of a sudden, he was looking at these other believers, and he was blown away by the fact that even though they'd never seen Jesus, and and Peter saw him in all of his glory transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was blown away by the reality. He would say the same thing to you and me today. is I can't believe how much you love a Jesus you have never seen. I can't believe how much you love a God that you have never seen. The world thinks we're not, doesn't it? Well, who do you love more than anyone? Jesus. Oh, that's great. What does he look like? I have no idea. Have you seen him? No. Well, how do you know he's real? Well, the Bible tells me he's real. Well, how do you know that the Bible is real? Because the Bible tells me it's real. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. But many of you in this room have never seen God, but you know God. Or you're getting to know him. And the one thing that they can't ever oppose when we talk about it is well, let me tell you my story of how I met Jesus. You see, part of the reason I know that Lynn is in her eternal rest is I have no doubt about her story that she met Jesus and that she loved Jesus and that she cared for Jesus. When the pastor was done, before we went upstairs, he said this. Is there anything anybody in the family would like to say before we go upstairs? And there was a couple family members that, oh, they would never talk in front of the crowd. But when they were family, they'd tell the truth. And they'd talk about what Jesus was like. That's one of my greatest joys as a pastor is that when one of the saints dies, so many of you sit down with me at some point and say, i got to tell you a story. i got to tell you a story about this person, about my relationship with this person, about the things that I experienced as I watched them love Jesus 
I got to tell you a story. And I know that some of you, when I open up the microphone on Tuesday, you will not say anything. But we're family today. This is the family service. And I think it would mean a great deal to, to Lynn's mother and to one of her dearest friends, although we're all going to arm wrestle you that for that one, Mary. I know. But Lynn might have had a couple. <laughs> so who wants to tell a story? about how they watched Jesus, Lynn loved the Jesus she never saw. Who is something they'd like to say today? You can come up or you can. Jordan, why don't you make sure that this thing records so that this one's hot too. Sadly, uh, we can't make Tuesday. We have a little life challenge going on. So um, I was reading this morning in the Daily Bread and it said our real treasure isn't measured in what we accumulate, but in what or whom we invest our time and our passions. Lynn had a lot of treasures stored in heaven already. The things that we will miss about Lynn's presence on earth is her enthusiasm for life, especially life outdoors. She introduced us to Acadia, Maine, her second most favorite place, I think, on earth, besides the Adirondacks. And we spent our vacations there three years in a row, and it's now our second favorite place as well. She took us around many times to uh, different places, that different hikes. We had to see this hike, and we had to see that hike each time that we were there on our vacation. She took time. We will miss her caring ways. Just before this trip, she left a message for Jim that if there was anything he needed to please call her. I wished I had not been so efficient this time to erase the messages that day. Lynn gave great hugs. She, the Sunday before her trip, she 
gave both of us a hug individually as we were various places in the church and she made a point to come and see us and said she was sorry not to be able to make our dinner party Saturday but that she would be with us in spirit. She is a very thankful person. Jim was her go-to guy in town for home questions and emergencies. She wanted to do something for us. She wanted to share another special place with us, and she wanted to take us on a special paddle trip, just the three of us. We went to Lake Lila. We had a beautiful day paddling there and a great open flame dinner and a beautiful sunset. And the next day after breakfast, she suggested a long paddle before we broke camp. And I will miss her calm demeanor because it was this time of year and it was black fly season and we had black fly nets over our faces and we got out on the lake and I'm telling you, you couldn't even see because the black flies had our face just covered. And I'm out in the canoe and I am just hitting and slapping. I mean, there were thousands of them on the, and I could look over at her and this is my picture of her. She's, <laughs> she's covered. And she is just stroking that paddle as calmly as can be. And she looks over at me and she said, Al, as soon as the sun breaks out and it gets a little warmer, they'll go away. <laughs> and it was like, okay. You know, I just felt so assured. So yes, there's no black flies in heaven, I'm assured. It, if they are, they're nice. <laughs> but um, she had such a calm demeanor and a positive attitude. Uh, I will always have that scene. Um, Lynn was an excellent listener. I'm not sure how many of you encounter this on a daily basis of talking to someone, and all of a sudden, they're checking their phone. They may even answer their phone. They totally turn away from you, or there's other people, and then they just start having another conversation while you're in the middle of a story. That was never the case with your daughter. She would always be eye contact, looking at you, and even when she was busy, she would say, I'll call you back. You know, I, I will get back to you about this. She was just, that's a wonderful thing to, s to still have seen. Never did you experience that she wasn't listening. She gave you her undivided attention. We will miss her cheery smile and her childlike faith, full of wonder, learning about Jesus and his word, Last week, we prayed for complete restoration of her body. And Lynn is living her best life in her perfected body, in her new home that Jesus has been preparing for her since when time began. I picture her preparing trips now, sh showing new arrivals, the heavenly realms, and the beauty there. The bottom line about Lynn's friendship is that she loved well. I remodeled Lynn's attic when I first looked at it. I said, man, you could have a room up here. And she goes, that's been my dream for 20 years to make that upstairs her room. So we designed a plan and we made it. And I think one of the best parts of that room that we actually made for her 
was the back porch. I put a dormer on the back of the house and I had this two-story deck out there and that was Lynn's sanctuary. That's where she took her Bible every morning and went out and sat in the back of her house and the sun was beating on her and she goes, I don't know how many times, how many countless times she told me and thanked me for that particular porch that she had out there. She said, because she would sit out there and she would commune with God. And she goes, I got so many answers just sitting on that porch in the back. Go ahead, sir. She was really a, a true friend. You do? <laughs> Three most important things to me was her faith, her family, and her friends. And Tuesday, you're going to see the answers to the Lola. Because we have people coming, literally, from all over the world here Tuesday. On the altar, we are going to have Lynn's boat and her backpack and all the things that were important to her. There will be a piece of her. And Pastor Jim told you about her room upstairs where she has posted notes covering the walls of altar, things that were what she felt were her inspiration. God and special verses and things like that. I'm bringing them with me.
Do you want to say something? Well, she was such a, a generous person that she never forced herself to the middle, but she always ended up there, you know. No, she didn't, although she deserved it at times. My last two memories of Lynn are this. When we went to see her right after the accident and went over to Burlington on, on Saturday, it would have been, we got into the room and you had stepped out of the room and Nancy went over and said, Lynn, it's Pastor Jim and Nancy, and we're here. And she says, I don't think I'm going to be able to talk very much. And it just about of a whisper. But she was concerned about being gracious, which just kind of blew me away. The second thing was, uh, is, was singing to Lynn. And um, when you as a family stepped out, Nancy and I got to to serenade her and uh, in, in, as in duets. And I'll, I'll never forget the joy of just singing to her. And then after they had pulled all that stuff off and we were saying goodbye to her, all of a sudden I just felt led. And, and I read this scripture, and I want to read it now, that I read that evening. This was my words to Lynn. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must be put on imperishable, must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And when I got done reading that scripture, the nurse came back into the room and told us, that Lynn was no longer with us, but she was in the presence of the Lord. Listen to that last verse one more time, because I think this is a great command to all of us today. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Charlie, let's sing one song as we close. Why don't you stand with me and we'll sing together.